0: and leave it to the clamp boys. Just so you know, they get that really honest. You can hear their father, Lee, laughing as he's filming it. And if you know Lee and his brothers, they get that deeply honest from the rest of the family. So Lisa, you get an extra star by your name on Mother's Day. Thank you for all you do. Mother's Day is a really fun day for most of us because we're reminded of all the things that our mom does that often aren't recognized. So hopefully, moms, you feel celebrated today. Hopefully everybody's taking care of you at your house. Hey, if you're seven, eight, nine, ten, this is your moment. You run over to the couch where your mom is and you slide in, slide your arm around her. This is a day where you're gonna, we're going to make your mom feel great, we hope. Hey, for some on Mother's Day, it's not so fun. And I think it's always a good way to start is to remember some of the pain for those on Mother's Day. For some, as you take this in, you're remembering a mom that's passed away in the last year or two or three. And uh, you're still grieving on a day like today. It brings up that grief. We're going to trust that the Lord's going to meet you in your living room today. For some, you've lost a child. And so, uh, poor mom, as you suffer through this, we... We trust that God's going to meet you in that pain. We cannot imagine it, but we trust that He'll know how to meet you there. For some, you deal often with a mom that has been addicted to something or she's in a mess, and this day's pretty complicated for you. And uh, we trust that the Lord's going to meet you as you bear the weight of those complications. We always have a good group of ladies that have hoped to be pregnant, that have hoped to be married, that have suffered some sort of loss that comes to mind on Mother's Day and it brings grief. And so as a church, what I I like for us to do in our different spots, all over the the Midlands, all over the state on on a video like this, we we really want to pray for one another on a day like today. So if you would, pray with me for your mom and let's pray for some of the other ladies where this day's... Really difficult for them. Jesus, we, uh, we try to be empathetic and we barely know how. And yet you, Jesus, you know exactly the pain in each, each lady that's taking in this service. And so we pray that you would, you would trust your spirit to them and, and bring some healing and some peace today. Jesus, we, uh, we want to celebrate a bunch of moms, and so we pray that uh, many, many would feel really encouraged over the course of the next half hour or so as we just celebrate them and celebrate you in one motion. At the end of the day, Lord, we, we want this to be a celebration of you, so we pray that you would bring the scriptures to life for us again and that your spirit would move in our souls and that we'd be, we'd be inspired by the end of this time together. We trust you with all this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but uh, when Cheryl leaves our house, there is a great void. As a matter of fact, within hours, you can kind of see all the color come out of our house and it just becomes a bunch of kind of black lines that outline everything and, and I or the kids try to fill it in, but she brings this light to our home that is uh, special, it's it's different, and yet it's really easy over the course of time as you get to see it over and over, day after day, to devalue it. As a matter of fact, on occasion, I'll be caught, I confess, Cheryl will say, you don't really value what I'm bringing to our home, and somehow in in the midst of life moving on and trying to get stuff done and me trying to run to the next thing, I miss (laughs) what a gift it is to our home to have all that color that a mom brings. On Day Like Mother's Day, we want to remember it, right? So we only do this once a year. We need to do it more often really in our homes to just celebrate what each of you brings to your home. And we we just want to say we really, really appreciate it. One of the reasons I think the world is so uncomfortable with moms is because you die to yourself so often to nurture a family. And I need to tell you who that looks like. That looks like Jesus. Last week, we read Philippians 2, and in the process, we watched Jesus humble himself, right? As the son of God, he humbled himself to become a man. You watch that. We we use a Greek word there. A lot of folks like to speak it out when they get to this passage. They call it kenosis, where he humbles himself as the son of God to become a man. So he's all God. He's all man. And he does that on purpose to be our servant, to uh, be others' ambitious. He, he humbles himself, not only to that point, but all the way to the point of the cross, the greatest act of servanthood in the history of mankind. And so as he throws out that example of being others ambitious, man, on a day like today, moms, you guys are the ultimate picture of that in our, in our society. Because so many times you take what you have all the way from when the baby's in the womb until uh, he or she is full grown and you take what you have and you give it away for the good of your child. Thank you, thanks for looking like Jesus. What I thought we'd do today is continue in this little, little session that we're doing on going through the book of Philippians and it captures some great thoughts for moms and about moms, but particularly about servanthood. So let me read to you uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Again, Paul's writing this and so he's writing it to a group of people that he knows. He starts out, verse 12, with dear friends. And just so you know how this thing works, he's writing to a a town called Philippi. There's a church there, and there's a bunch of moms there. If he's speaking on Mother's Day, he might name Lydia, right? She's there. Later in this chapter, there's three or four women that are named. There's this uh, slave girl that he led to Christ early in his ministry in Philippi. She She might be a mom by the time this is written. The jailer's wife, who he met and baptized, she's sitting out there. So on Mother's Day, this would work well. He'd say, dear friends, and he looks out and he sees them. And he says this, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away... It is even more important. I can imagine him writing this letter in his jail cell, cell, speaking to folks that he loves and knows and he has pictures of these particularly on a day like today of the ladies in, in the body of Christ in Philippi. Not unlike me speaking to this screen and not being able to see anybody. He's writing this letter to them and celebrating when he was there and now he's gonna give them some, some instruction even though he's away. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. It's an interesting passage. It's a famous passage. A lot of people quote these verses and sometimes they they use them inappropriately. Here's what I want you to hear. NIV reads like this, work out your own salvation. And so what happens oftentimes is folks then begin to think that you can work for salvation, which is, it's heretical. Not true, salvation comes by grace, this free gift from God, unmerited favor, by faith, where we place our trust in Jesus Christ and he does all the work, that's where salvation comes. So he says, work out your own salvation. So I've been given salvation, right? I've taken it in and he's telling me to work it out. How does that work? I love in the past that he actually, toward the end in verse 13, he goes from working it out. He says, for God is working in you. So you kind of got this working in, salvation, trusting us with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and us working it out. I don't know how that looks for your house but this, in my house, there is much muscle milk consumed. So in, in the cupboard, there's this monster thing that the boys pull out, and they pour it into a cup. And when you're in high school, you're constantly trying to gain weight. Later in life, this changes. They're trying to pour more in so they can work more out and get stronger. To compete in sports, I don't know. I, it, maybe it's a look-good thing. I don't know. But there's constantly this working in and this working out in the weight room. And that is really how this relationship with Jesus is supposed to work. The passage actually says that he gives us the desire and the power. We have everything we need. The question is will you work it out? Huh. Single moms really appreciate the way you work out what Christ has worked into you I know for some of you you're just super consistent about either being in front of the screen on a Sunday or being there on a, on, on on being in the building on Sunday so that your kids can hear the Word of God that's working it out that's that's monotonous that's every week and it's it's a grind and I appreciate it there's a little group of 10 and 12 year old ladies that sit up to the front on Sundays and they, got, they pull out their journal and they write notes while I'm preaching or Russell's preaching. Or, and I've seen this at, over at White Knoll, there's, there's, there's a young lady that sits up at the front while Derek's preaching and takes notes and it goes through all of our campuses. There's some young ladies in our body that are taking notes in their journal because they're wanting to work it in so that they can work it out. I still remember being about 16 years old. I'd hurt my mom's feelings. I was sitting in my room. I was really bothered by it, and I went to her bedroom, and I apologized. What is that? That's me working out. I needed to do it, but it was me working out what God was working in me because I knew I was wrong, and so I moved on it. I got this note this week, an email about a family, a group of children, and it was from their neighbor that don't attend Radius, they sent me this note. I don't know how they got my email. They got my email. They sent me this note. They wanted to brag on the kids in this family and the way those children take care of their little neighbors next door. And they listed on the little note, listed three or four things that the kids do consistently for them. And that that's working it out. That's the word coming in and you're working it out. It's beautiful. That's who we dreamed Radius would be. I don't know how you did this, but when COVID-19, when it really started to get uh, steam and fear began to permeate our airways, the first thing I did was uh, I worried about my family and my ability to provide. So I immediately looked at our bank account. I don't know, maybe you did the same. Right, right when that thing started, I just wanted to have all my ducks in a row. But very quickly, because the Holy Spirit has been worked into me through salvation, uh, I started to think about how we should be generous because I, I recognize, because of the Spirit's work inside of me, I wanted to be others ambitious. It wasn't just about me getting all my stuff set and, and in essence being a prepper. It was about me being prepared to help others because that is the way of our Savior. That's the way of the suffering servant. He came to this earth and humbled himself all the way to the point of the cross because he loved you. He was ambitious for you. He wanted you to have a relationship with his father like he has fa- with his father. And so he paid the way. It's so a great little note at the end of those verses that God... Is working in you, verse 13, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I think sometimes, mom, when the weight is on you so heavy, it feels like it's impossible. And yet this passage says he gives you desire and he gives you power to be able to get it done. Check out verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Whoa, heard that one before? <laughs> what kind of text is that from Mother's Day? Do everything without complaining and arguing. How is that even possible, right? How can we do everything without complaining or arguing? I, I thought as I read it and I was, kept thinking back to, to these verses in John where Jesus is speaking to disciples, and this is what he says. He says, your love for one, this NLT, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, right? So how they interact with each other is gonna prove to the world that they know Jesus. He says it again, I'll read it to you again in another translation, New American Standard. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So as I read this verse, I couldn't help but wonder, Read it to you like this. Jesus saying to us through Paul in the Philippians, they will know you are my disciples if you don't grumble and complain. As a matter of fact, it really feels like throughout this book that Paul is pushing this church that he loves so much to stay unified, to stay with each other. And in this particular passage, he's looking at them all and he's saying, Hey, stop talking about each other. Stop arguing with each other about nothing. Let's, let's get back to the goal and let's keep get back to enjoying the, the great happiness that comes from being unified as a family, the family of God. I don't know about you, but with the COVID thing, I have uh, looked at Fox and CNN every day. Every day I do a quick glance, the headlines on CNN, headlines on Fox. I think I got my left and right there, right? <laughs> man, I got to tell you, man, it is wearing me out. It seems like they can't agree on anything. They're focused, it seems, completely on themselves and it is tiring. It is extremely unattractive, right? Take Forget the political ideologies that they hold up on the different states and it just seems like they're not at all about people. Like they don't really seem to care about people. It wears me out because, because they're always arguing and complaining about one another. And they forget about you and me. They forget about the needs of our nation and uh, it's ugly. That happen to your house ever? Ever played a blame game? We've done it in our yard a couple times where Cheryl and I'll be talking and she'll say something that hurts my feelings and I'll say something back and the next thing we know we're like, is anybody walking on the street? Because we're playing the blame game in the yard and I got a big voice that echoes all over the neighborhood and it's just not that attractive, right? It, it looks jacked up like it is. So the beauty is, hey, we're real. We, we screw up and times we're selfish and uh, we uh, speak out of turn and we hurt one another. But because of the Holy Spirit, we can be convicted inside and come back and apologize and unify and that unity between Cheryl and I is an example to our neighbors and to our family. And so though there are those moments of brokenness It's just incredibly important that we fight away from complaining and arguing because it's not very attractive. It actually discourages people from being interested in Jesus. So when you hear the guy at work talk about the church and that's his reason for not knowing Jesus, it actually aligns with this passage, right? They will know you are my disciples if you don't grumble and complain. When the kids were little, Cheryl had this discipline with them. If they were uh, grumpy and didn't want to do it, so she would make them have a happy face. It was it was hilarious. We didn't like tickle them. It was just like direct communication. Hey, we can't you can't have it until you have a happy face. And so when you're little, that there's some work that goes on. You got to get those the corners of your mouth up. You got to have even if your heart's not right. We're gonna get to a happy face. Then they get a little older, and occasionally you will get the eye roll. How you like the eye roll, moms? When. When Junior gives you the eye roll when you ask him to do something. And so, man, from about 6 to 11, there's no room for an eye roll. Like, like we, we would work out the eye rolls in our kids. And then they get a little older, 12, 13, 14, 15, and there's a slight eye roll. I can give them a little break, but I cannot have any grumbling. Right, so, so, so I don't want to hear you muttering, walking away. I don't want to hear you uh, saying something. back. Matter of fact, I got a couple of boys that can tell you a story. When I was in the other room and I heard them talking back to their mom and I come in, that's part of my job. Dad, it's part of your job is, is to eliminate the complaining and arguing because it just screws everything up. And the next thing you know, our house is miserable when we look miserable as a family. And Paul is looking at this family of God in the town of Philippi, and he said, don't grumble. Don't complain. It's screwing up your, the light that you're supposed to be shining in this community. What's he say? He says, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. You're supposed to stand out because you're not selfish. You're a servant. He goes on to say, hold firmly to the word of life, Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, that my work was not useless. What does he mean by hold firmly? Some of the writers write to hold forth the word of life. Hold forth the word of life. I I keep picturing like a lightsaber. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but I used to love the toys when I bought them for my kids. It's like a flashlight and it had these little things that illuminate on in and, and, and they made some that would slide out really fast when you, when, you, when you threw it down. So you can light it up and you, you can poke somebody's eye out with it eventually. But, but and then we'd have fights, you know, me and the kids, we fight with these things, these, these so-called lightsabers. But, but the, the beauty of them when you're holding them forth, right, out in front, of and, and this picture is like holding forth the gospel and the brightness of the gospel. So at some level, all the power is here. It's not here. It's not about me. It's about the power in my hands holding forth the word of life in this crazy world that we live in. It actually shows some power, but it's the power of a servant. Just like we saw in the example of Jesus earlier in the chapter. He goes on to say, but I rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God just like your faithful service, service is an offering to God. And all I want of you is to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share with you. And there's this joy in Paul about pouring his life out. I mean, totally foreign to the way our world turns because it's really all about our rights. We're constantly fighting for our place on the planet. And Paul is saying, no, I'm fighting for your place on the planet. And, and, and even bigger than that, I'm fighting for your place in eternity. So I'm going to pour out my life for others. There's a variety of moms taking this today, and you have poured your life out for your children, and, and I appreciate it. <laughs> just, just to get to watch it as an example, it is a, it's a beautiful example. Paul, as he writes this, you can tell he appreciates not just moms, but all all of us, right? Moms, dads, children who serve others, who are others' ambitions. He he actually says, just as your faithful service is an offering to God, he's like encouraged. He's like, I'm glad to be doing this with you. It's great to be a part of Radius and to have this big family where we, you know, in a very true and honest way. Even though we fail on a given day, we, we, we lock arms and we decide to serve this town together. Uh, man, I don't know. It's humbling to sit in front of the camera and talk to everybody about it. But There's a deep joy inside of me to be able to do this with you. I hope you have joy. Moms, thank you for all your servanthood. We, uh, we pray blessings on you. And we pray you have energy to finish it from from if you have little children, if you can get through another night to if you have older children, that you can have the wisdom to walk through it. If you have grandchildren, you'd have the energy to give to them. We want all of that for you. And I, I just need to remind you that servanthood is the language of our King. And though maybe nobody else knows it, nobody else seems to value it in our culture. He does. As a matter of fact, God says in, in the end of that first part of chapter two that he exalted Jesus because of his servanthood. He isn't missing what you're doing. Thank you. Let's pray. Jesus, I wrestle with this passage. I, I understand it in my head, and yet it's hard to apply day to day. I want to be your servant I want to have your heart of servanthood, Jesus. Please keep teaching me. Pray for our moms. Pray that today they'd be encouraged to stay the course and to recognize that you have great value in their work. And they would be, they would be dedicated toward raising their kids in a healthy way and pointing them toward you, Jesus. Listen to as we worship now. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.